Isn't it great to know that even though we are online, God is not bound by online. God, the omnipresent God, can come and just minister, just come and just meet us where we are and change us and transform us and input into our lives. But we are thankful for technology and online, wherever you're watching from today, it's great to be able to connect with you. Our theme as a church this year has been health matters, well-being, and I'm going to read again from 2 Corinthians, like we did last week, chapter 5 this week. I'm reading from the NIV version, the first 10 verses, and just make a few comments in relation to Paul's letter. He writes in this part of his letter, For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident, and we know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Just some areas in our reading today I want to highlight. Actually, my Bible, the, the mini heading over this chapter says, New Bodies. And I thought, wow, that sounds like well-being to me, having a new body, but it was wishful thinking because we live in a world where our bodies are decaying. And Paul goes on to explain a bit about the difference between this earthly body that we now live in which really is just a tent which carries the real us in what we are soul or spirit within us is the real us in the tent the body is just fit for planet earth and for a time here and Paul talks about that and then compares with the new body which will carry the us about into that eternal realm when we leave planet earth but today I don't really want to really talk about our physical bodies but concentrate about our mindsets and our attitudes and some relation to well-being here in Paul's letter. See, Paul is giving an outline of what is to come, that hope of eternity for those who have accepted Jesus Christ as Saviour. We have that hope. I love for me, well, I don't love funerals, but I love for the Christian funeral when we come to those words where we say, ensure and certain hope of resurrection to eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul is relating the contrast between our earthly bodies while we're here and that heavenly body, that home that God is preparing for us. 
And he said here, verse 5, God has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. It's like you put a deposit down to buy something, a house, a car, whatever. It's yours, but you've not fully entered into everything. But it's yours. And it's the same in a sense that God has given us a deposit, a guarantee. It's ours, but we're not fully entering into that full uh, embracing of eternity. Yet that perfect bliss when we leave here and go to be with our Saviour. But he's encouraging the church here. And the difference between then and now is meanwhile. Meanwhile. Not meanwhile back at the ranch, but back where we're living now. Because the reality is, well-being will not be an issue in the then. When we leave here in eternity, well-being won't be an issue. Everything will be blessed and, and well and no pain, no tears, no suffering. Everything will be great then. But the well-being is for now. But we can still have well-being in our lives now before we get to that place. Meanwhile, mindset is important. The mindset where we are now. Paul writes here, meanwhile, we groan. While we're in the tent, we groan and are burdened because we want that new body. The problem is we live in the now, not the then, in our physical beings. But our well-being depends on how we live in the now. And on one level, our mindset can help us with mind being while we wait for that time. We have some control over our mindset in many ways because the Bible says here that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new creature. The old has gone, the new has come. We are not what we used to be. A bit of heaven has invaded our life. God by his spirit has come into us and a bit of heaven in eternity has brought us in where we don't need to have a mind which focuses just on what's around about us, but we can have a mind which is focused on the eternal issues and the spirit issues that God has given in us. The challenge is our mindset and our attitude in the meanwhile. And today there's three things which help us in the meanwhile to bring well-being into our world while we're living now and waiting for the then. The new well-being will be great, but you can have well-being in your hearts, your souls, your minds now. And first of all, our meanwhile talk is important. Where are you living in your meanwhile talking moments? Moaning, groaning, complaining about the current or praising God for what he's done for us and praising and thanking God for the future that awaits us. Because our tongue and how we talk in the meanwhile while waiting for eternity can affect our well-being here. If you read the book of Proverbs, there are numerous verses which encourage us in our talk. Proverbs 15 and 4 says, A gentle tongue is a tree of life. That sounds like well-being to me. Proverbs 16, 24. Gracious words 
like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. That sounds like well-being to me. Proverbs 18 has a few verses. Verse 4, a person's words can be life-giving water. That sounds like well-being to me. Proverbs 20, words satisfy the soul as food satisfies the stomach. The right words on a person's lips bring satisfaction. 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. That sounds like well-being to me. See, we can all pray as much as we like for God to bring well-being into every area of our lives. But the truth is, we can all bring some well-being by how we talk into our life. One of the most important aspects, Paul says, is our speech. What we say over ourselves, what we say over others. And maybe you say, oh, I can't help how I speak. Yes, you can. If you read James chapter 3, it talks about controlling the tongue. And not, it's not easy. And he does say, if we control our tongue, we control the rest of us. But we have something within us which helps us to speak life, to speak encouragement, to speak hope. It's true from Scripture, but it's also true from experience. We all know when we've been in an atmosphere of grumbling and mourning, it brings discouragement. It makes us feel less than. It brings us down. It makes us heavy-hearted. But when we're in an atmosphere where somebody's speaking life and encouragement and hope, we are lifted. The way we talk and the way that we speak about ourselves and others changes atmospheres. If we're complaining and grumbling and moaning about everything, you know what? It doesn't help our well-being. But if we can speak encouragement and life-giving words like Proverbs encourages us to do, we can bring life into our situations. The reality is, is there a lot of things that we could moan and grumble about? Yes, there are a lot of things that we could moan, grumble, complain about. But then, are there a lot of things we can praise and be thankful for? Yes, there's a lot of things we can praise and give thanks for, but we have a choice. What are we going to do? Are we going to speak the dead, speak the life, speak complaining, or speak thanksgiving and praise? Are we going to mourn and groan, or are we going to speak life? Are we going to speak eternal values into our life? But it's not just our meanwhile talk, it's our meanwhile walk as well. How we walk, how we live. And in both instances, it's not about the now and agains, but it's how our consistent talk is, how our consistent walk is. No, we all have days when we are not really pleased with how we have spoken. We're not really pleased about the way we've acted. Maybe we've not lived that walk of faith the way we should have. Maybe we've let circumstances dictate our moods and our attitudes and our actions. Because the reality is none of us are perfect yet. And we will have moments 
where we let ourselves down. We will have moments in the meanwhile where we don't live up to the eternal values of what God would want us to be or what we would want to be ourselves. We'll have times where our walk is not what we'd wish. Where we're not walking the walk of faith that Paul talks about here. When we're not what we'd like to be. But let me just say that those times where we're not speaking the way we should, those days where we're not walking the way we should, where circumstance again, or we're not walking in faith, they will come now and again, but they should not be the norm. They should be the exception, not the rule over our lives. If we want to have well-being and if we want to live the way God wants us to live, then those moments should not be most of the days. We'll have slip-up moments, but we'll have days where we speak life and when we speak and walk the way God wants us to walk and we walk by faith and we're believing God and we're trusting God and we're not giving in to what's around us. Those should be the norm for well-being in our life. And I want to encourage you today, maybe, maybe you've taken steps of faith. Maybe you've gone back a little bit. But look at the big picture of your life. See, the norm shouldn't be one step forward and two steps back. But sometimes it's okay to have two steps forward and one step back. Maybe today you think, well, I feel as if I've taken a few steps forward, but I've gone backwards a bit. But as I walk across here, if I take two steps forward and then one step back, do you know what? I'm still further on from where I was. And if I take another two steps forward and one step back, I'm still further on. But when we take a step back, we can have an attitude and a mindset that says, you know what, I messed up today, I blew it again, I've messed up, I didn't do what I should do, I've said wrong things, I've taken a step back in this walk. Or you could say, do you know what, I've already gone two steps and I've gone one step back and I can look at myself and say, you know what, I took a step back today and I'm not as progressed as I thought to be. Or you could have a mindset that says, you know what, I'm further on than I was yesterday morning. I'm maybe not where I wanted to be, but I'm still further on and I'm progressing because I'm walking by faith. And even in my slip-ups, my mind is not focusing on my slip-ups and my mistakes. My mind is focusing on my walk that I've progressed in God and where God has brought me from. Because we walk by faith. And I'm not basing my life on the mess-ups around me, but I'm still basing my life on what God has done for me, what God says about me. And I'm still walking in faith. I'm believing and trusting God. Because faith walks, bring confidence and well-being into our life. We need faith to please God. The Hebrew writer tells us without faith it's impossible to please God. But you know what? When I do walk by faith, I get this kind of language that Paul speaks about. We are always confident. We are fully confident. And do you know why faith walks give confidence and well-being into us? Because our faith is in a God who never fails, a God to whom nothing's impossible, a God who's for us, a God who we place our hands and our life into, and a God who will cause all things to work for our good because we love him, we're called according to his purpose, and he's a God who can do much more than we can ask or think.
And meanwhile, talk is important for our well-being. And meanwhile, walk is important. But we need meanwhile goals as well. Paul says our goal is to please him. Our goal is to please him. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. But there's a broader point here. In order to progress in our journey, you need goals. You need to put goals in life. Having goals are good for our well-being. What gets you out of bed in the morning? What are your goals, your plans, your dreams in life, your desires? In the meanwhile, between now and heaven, you can live for yourself. You can live for just getting as much as you can. Or you can live for the purposes of God. We make it our goal to please him. In life, well-being comes from having goal, a goal to please him. Goals in themselves are good for well-being. Living for purpose and goals is good for us. I read this this week. Setting goals is an effective way to increase motivation and to help you create the change you want. It can be used to improve health and relationships or improve productivity at work setting. Goals can also be an important step in the recovery from mental illness, i.e. goals in your life have a broad application in well-being. But make sure the realistic but challenging goals. Michelangelo said this, the greatest danger for most of us is not that we aim too high and we miss it, but our aim is too low and we hit it. But above all the goals in your life, and let me encourage you to put goals in your life daily, monthly, yearly, it's good for well-being. But our primary goal is to please him. Let me tell you, I can say from experience, that living to please others is not good for your well-being. But living to please him is good for your well-being. There's an old, old song we used to sing with one incredible line for me, which says, it's your approval I long for. A goal and it's to please him. Between the now of where we're living and the then of eternity with him, do you know what our goal is? The greatest goal for well-being in our life is to please him. And know what's incredible about our God. Know what's so amazing about our God. When we set our goals and our mindset to please him, this is what happens in Matthew 6, 33. In the context of people focusing on eating, drinking, and getting things for themselves, it says, seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. When we make it our goal to please him, to put him first, all the things that we'd really like, and he just brings them into our well-being life. Because that's the kind of God he is. Paul here tells this group of Christians, there's a time coming 
when well-being will be perfect forever. But we're living in the now. And the well-being you can receive in the now and the meanwhile is dependent on how you react, how you act, how you speak. You can speak life over yourself. How you walk, walk by faith. Because walking by faith brings a confidence into your world of a God who's for you and to whom nothing is impossible. But also, make it your goal in life. The greatest thought I could say in well-being is to put number one goal in your life is to please God. To live your life pleasing Him. This week, as you make decisions in your life, just ask yourself, is this pleasing God? Before you say something, just think, is what I'm about to say pleasing God? Before you do something, before you walk and make a decision to go somewhere to do something, just ask yourself, is this decision that I'm about to make pleasing God? These goals that I've got for this week are they pleasing God? Because in the whole series or the whole talk about well-being, I want to say that if we put him first and we seek to please him, he will bring well-being into our hearts, into our souls, and into our minds in a way beyond anything else we do. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for that hope of eternity. I thank you for just that hope we have that when we leave planet Earth, we have eternity with you. But Father, I thank you that even in the now, where our bodies are growing and we can still live with a touch of heaven in our hearts, that touch of well-being, because you place a deposit within us, of what's to come. And Father, help us to focus on that rather than what's around us. Help our talk to be sweet and life-giving. This week as we go into wherever we're going, help our speech to be words that bring well-being and life and health. Help our walk to be a walk of faith where we're walking in your promises and in your word over us. And even when we slip up, we continue to keep walking because it's not the slip-ups, it's a continual, consistent walk. And Lord, I thank you as we walk in faith that you bring that confident sense of well-being into us. Father, I pray, Lord, that we'll set goals in our life which are honouring to you. But I believe in everything we do and say this week, make it our desire to please you. Our goal is to please you. Not when we get there, in your nearer presence, but while we're living in the meanwhile, we make it our goal to please you in all areas of our life. And Father God, I thank you that as we do that, that you will just come and spring your peace, your hope, all that heaven has into our lives. And that will bring a sense of well-being into our souls. In Jesus' name. Amen.